And you are listening to the Bleeding Big Blue Podcast. Alex Skybridge Sports back again. Happy to be back, everyone, on this Tuesday, July 7th. Right now, as I'm recording, I'm actually watching the Yankees camp practice. It's an exhibition game, really a scrimmage. In a way, it's the Bombers versus the Yankees. Both sides are Yankees players, and it's it's an inner squad game. And Garrett Cole was pitching this one. Michael King was for the other side. The Bombers as a starter. And then also David Hill got a chance to pitch. But that's baseball, and let's talk some football. Not necessarily Giants topics today. Football is really what I'm covering. The NFL Players Association came out with a statement a couple of days ago regarding the preseason, how they don't want it. So I'm going to read that statement right now. Now this is from the NFL Players Association according to Seahawks Wire. Here is what they said. They said this, Resolved. That in light of the absence of medical justification for holding any preseason games and the necessity of adhering to the acclimation period in order to reduce the possibility of injuries, the NFLPA Board of Player Representatives recommends that no preseason games be played during the 2020 NFL preseason, and the board calls upon the NFL to cancel all preseason games due to the ongoing COVID pandemic. So here's what I got to say about that just to start us off today. It's tough. It is tough this year, especially 2020 with all the COVID cases and everything. But you take a look at baseball first. A lot of players are getting COVID. Freddie Freeman of the Braves, William Astudillo of the Twins, uh, a couple other players, DJ LeMahieu and Luis Sessa of the Yanks. A lot of players are going to be infected with COVID. And if you take a look of... How MLB is really doing this roster thing with no minor league season. If everybody gets COVID or at least most of the players, you're going to be having a minor league season basically with all your AAA and possibly AA guys. I mean, you got to the point where Clark Schmidt could make the roster for the Yankees if there's a COVID-19 case in the starting rotation and you need a pitcher and maybe Divey Garcia is not ready. That's just comparison for right now. But how that relates to the NFL, obviously they're thinking about expanding the practice squads to I believe like 16 people. Basically, that's what's going to happen if a lot of players get COVID-19 cases in the 2020 season. Is you're going to be calling up people left and right from the practice squad to play in each one of your 16 games. That's why the NFL season, everybody's doubting whether there will be a full season. It's going to look like the 2017 Giants, if everyone can remember how they were signing practice squad members left and right and random guys off the street you never even freaking heard of. And the Redskins in 2017 and the 49ers in 2017. But that's just what it could look like this season. It's unfortunate, but... That's the way it could look. And I understand the NFLPA Board of Player Representatives' concern. Got to look at it this way, though. How are you going to do it with players that don't make rosters often? Like veteran journeymen who are trying to get a job and trying to get a decent paycheck on the practice squad or either in the regular season. What if they're doing really good through camp, or maybe they're not? Maybe they're not doing good through camp, and you don't have any preseason games to show their true talent against the opposing side and other rushers. How are you going to do that? You're just going to have them 
you know, challenge their own teammates. I mean, I'm all for it. I'm all for player safety and all. But it's going to be like the Giants offensive line of 2017 challenging the defensive line of 2017. The Giants defensive line in 2017 couldn't get to the passer. And that's why the O-line looks so good in practice. I mean, come on now. The Giants were one of the worst offensive lines in football running and passing. That's because, you know, everyone thought they were good in camp. And Eric Flowers was doing better and Bobby Hart too. That's why they didn't get any offensive tackles. Because they thought that they didn't need any. They thought they were going to improve through camp and everything like that. And a real thing with the preseason is, take a look at 2018. The Giants offensive line in the preseason with Omame and Eric Flowers at right tackle, the offensive line seemed fine for the first three games. I mean, they only gave up one or two sacks. And the run game was not really showcased in the way it was going to be that season and it was very vanilla that's what offenses and defenses are like in the preseason the offensive line looked fine in the preseason but in the regular season they cracked and gave up sacks to Jacksonville and seven sacks to Dallas and the Giants gave up 43 sacks in 2018 and they had like six seven different line combos so that's something to take off of it but how is it detrimental to players? I'm going back to that point. Because you're not seeing game action before the regular season. What, are you just going to do scrimmages with your teammates? No. That's like what the Yankees are doing now. Except they're going to have exhibition games against the Mets and the Phillies. And they're actually going to see, you know, who could possibly make the 26-man roster. So it's going to be interesting. But the way I see it with detrimental players... They're not getting the game action they need. And especially if you only limit to two games in the future. COVID-19 or not. You limit to two games in the future. That only gives guys two games to express their talent. Especially if you're an undrafted free agent. Or you're a veteran journeyman. Who isn't very good but could make a backup position. So that's how it's detrimental to players. Now. Why is it not detrimental to players? And why does it help prevent COVID-19? Here's my thoughts on that. So, you're going to be playing up close with a lot of defensive linemen, especially if you're an offensive lineman, and they're probably breathing in your face if they don't enforce that mask thing inside the helmet. And I talked about that on one of my other podcasts. You're going to be having defensive linemen breathe in your face. And if you're a wide receiver corner, you're going to have the wide receiver corner breathe in your face. And that's not social distancing as everybody would say it is. Meaning that, oh, they're not social distancing. They're not six feet apart. Yeah, unless you're playing nine yards off the ball like DeAndre Baker was last season. But again, that's not social distancing. And that is a way to get COVID, especially if you're not wearing a mask. And, for other purposes, not COVID-19, you're not injuring your players right away in meaningless games. Now, they're not totally meaningless. It's competition, and it sorts out the competition on your roster, who's going to play this, who's going to play for that. But, when it comes to stars like Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon Barkley, they won't have to play. I mean, they don't play already, but they won't have to play in meaningless games and showcase their talent for nothing and possibly get injured. So, again, that's another point that the NFLPA can use. 
injuries and now COVID-19. No social distancing, no mask inside the helmet. So it's going to be interesting debate. And another thing that came out today, and this is not much including of what I was just talking about. The NFL is planning on withholding 35% of player salaries for the season. Think about that. 35% of the player's salary. What if you're John Jalapio and you get re-signed in 750k? You only signed for 750k. What are you going to take 35% of that? Let's do the math, everyone. Say John Jalapio gets re-signed for 750k. And if it takes 35% of their salary to cover costs for the season. That, my friends, is $487,500. That is an extreme low for somebody like Jalapio. Now, I'm not saying he's this great guard for the Giants for the past two years, but that is low-balling it. And I'm not sure about this, but 750 k was probably closest to the highest he's gotten in his career. And then you're going to low-ball him and say, we're only going to give you about $487,500. Screw the big-name players, because I already saw a tweet when Tom Pelissero came out with this, that Darius Slay's like, oh, we should be paid bonuses. No, 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 no. Why? I get you're risking your career and your life by going out and playing during a COVID-19 pandemic. But there's no reason to call out for bonuses. That's stupid. And to note, Darius Slay makes millions of dollars and is one of the best corners in football. So that's one thing to take in. But again, the NFL is not thinking about the... Players that don't get opportunities that often. Seventh round draft picks, undrafted free agents, journeymen, veterans. I mean, come on. And also, even defending the players who have big money contracts and who still will be making millions if they pass this through. Now, you look at the MLB, right? Beginning of the pandemic, really, to mid-pandemic, really, to end-pandemic, they were trying to sort out an agreement To actually have a season. And everybody was saying, oh, there's not going to be no season. They're not going to agree on this. What they were trying to do is take away some of their salary. That isn't right, but at least there's an excuse for it. Because the MLB missed how many games up to June and part of July because of no fans. And they're going to have no fans. Besides that, you're playing no games. You didn't even finish out spring training because of this. And that's one of the reasons I actually defended the MLB. Again, I'm not too good with owners being cheap and stuff. And I'm not too good with the players complaining. Because, you know, they make millions of dollars. And you have Blake Snell being a crybaby bastard. Oh, I'm not going to play. You know what? You have an opt-out for this season. So stop crying. MLB is paying their full salary. They've worked that out with the... Players Association. But going back to the NFL, you know, they're expected to have fans in the stands this season. Goodell wants that. And you're going to have games this season so far. Screw the fact preseason. You know, those tickets are way cheaper. Screw that part. And you're going to sit here and 35% of those salaries are going to go to you? Yes, you're losing money, but the MLB lost way more than you are. And where you will in this case. Because 
They were supposed to start end of March. They're not getting baseball on until July the 23rd. Now, you know the way the NFL is to try to make every single penny of what they want to accomplish this season. And like any other season, they're going to start revving up the prices of merchandise and any tickets they actually sell. But they're still going to take 35%. Now, if you said to me, they're not going to have fans in the stands. Okay, that's somewhat reasonable. But they're still having their season, you know, advertisements, ratings. And they're even talking about covering up the first few rows with advertisement stuffs to make back the money that they will lose if the fans aren't in the stands. So I don't understand where you're getting this thing. We're going to take 35% of their salaries. It's just silly to me. I mean, everyone was talking about, oh, MLB's a joke. Yeah, they didn't do what they were intending on doing because the players were like, okay, we're not going to get salary cuts. But if you take a look and look at the contracts in the NFL and the salary cap, this is not going to go well. And listen, it's nobody's fault in this case with sports and everything that COVID-19 happened. It just came out of nowhere and, you know, they... Canceled the rest of the regular season for the NHL and the NBA and that stuff. But you can't go on ripping players' salaries because you have to make up every single penny when you're being a cheapskate and not willing to lose some. When you're a billion-dollar owner, or Roger Goodell in this case, you plan on having fans in the stadiums with a waiver system to make sure that the fans don't come after you if they get COVID-19. I mean, I'm sure masks will probably either be handed out or enforced, but that's saving you money. I mean, you'll still have those millennials that will sue you if they get COVID-19, but that's saving you money. You're still having NFL games in your planned 16-game season in a 17-week span, and it it would be a different story if the NFL said, okay, let's cut off some regular season games, because those are the ones that count. And those are the ones that bring in the most money. So, again, MLB, I agreed with some of the points that they brought up about cutting players' salaries because to preserve costs for the games that they didn't play. But when the NFL is supposedly ready to go for training camp, ready to go for whatever happened in the preseason, whatever happens in the regular season, if they have fans or not, they're still having 16 games, 17-week span. I'm pretty sure a lot of people will be willing to pay for streaming apps and anything that goes on however they watch their games. NFL has to make some money off of that. I mean, and then you're going to have them getting merchandise. I don't know if the merchandise is going to go up depending on a popular player. But I just think it's really silly unless somebody further explained to me if it's behind this. If somebody further explained to me that There's a longer story to the shorter story about the NFL cutting 35% of the salaries. But for right now, I don't really see a point that NFL has in cutting salaries other than to save their own ass. But again, COVID-19, it's unexpected. But why are you cutting 35% of players' salaries when you're expected to have fans in the stadiums and supposed to be making most of the money that you do? And finishing off the two arguments about no preseason or two preseason games or let's just say cutting players' salaries, the NFL 
will, again, leave the short salaried players and the players that don't have much talent but will be the backups on most teams, like a backup quarterback or a backup guard, they forget those players but will be scared and will be perpetrated into listening to the big-time big mouths and the big mouth talking players that make millions of dollars per year and will still make millions of dollars if this salary cut is supposed to be what it is and they happen to pass it. Now, NFLPA is not going to accept that, of course, because they probably want the same as the MLBPA in the respect of making their full salaries and they are playing a 16-game season. They're not cutting it short like the MLB is. I mean, preseason, that's a different story. I'm talking regular season. They're forgetting those small-time players and the small-talent, short-salaried players, and they're going to get perpetrated into listening to those million-dollar, big-mouth, talking players like Darius Slay and Odell Beckham Jr. because they're not getting the money in the millions of dollars that they would in a regular salary to support them, and that has some detrimental facts. But then again, talk about the small, talented, short salary players that everybody forgets about. Now, I totally agree on the fact of you get fans based on the big stars in the game. Okay. But again, when people start realizing that this is going on, and they start clicking their heads and start turning their brain on and thinking, wow, the small salaried backup players are are getting like 470 k due to the salary cut. While the million dollar players like Aaron Donald, Odell Beckham Jr., and Darius Slay are still making millions due to the salary cut. Once again, the NFL is not thinking about the minority players. And I'm not talking racially, I'm talking when it comes to money and salary and play. That's what I have to say about this. So before we get into the next subject, I had a Madden stream out today. I won 30-25 to to the Buffalo Bills today in my Bengals stream. I am 5-1, first in the AFC North. And I also had Sunday's Cowboys-Giants stream in Dallas, which was part of the Madden Simulation series. And the Giants are currently 0-5 right now, so... If Madden predicts right, that's not something good to look at in the season. But again, it's only a downloaded roster. You know, the season has yet to come, so don't base everything off a simulation. But it's something to look at. And also the highlight reels for those. As the NFL does for post-game highlights, I'm doing those too. Currently working on the Cowboys and Giants one. I'm also going to be working on the Bengals And Bill's won, so you'll get to see that when it comes out. Sorry it's taking a little bit, but I only have two guys, including myself, which is three, that can work on it at once. Obviously, we have to revolve around each other's schedules, and I have to teach them how to do it. But we're getting there, and we're getting the content out for you. Thank you guys so much for supporting. Going and downloading our podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Also, downloading everywhere else you could find it our youtube channel where we post our madden streams film videos rage videos like i did last week or the week before and also following our instagram and twitter pages at bleeding baby blue podcast thank you guys for the support so much we're growing every day thanks to you guys and thanks to your advice and everything else that you guys do to support us so my next 
thing, and my final topic, is about the rankings that came out today, or a couple days ago, whenever they came out, is about the Giants' ranking on PFF. Now, y'all know what I think of PFF. I don't think that they're anything to talk about, and I think they just make takes to get popular with sportscasters and get fans to only hype up the bigger names like the Chiefs and the Patriots and all them. But I want to lay out a couple of things in my opinion, not just with the Giants. So let's take a look at the list. Here is the list from top to bottom. Actually, let's go from bottom to top, 32 to 1. 32 Miami Dolphins, 31 Cincinnati Bengals, 30 Los Angeles Chargers, 29 Washington Redskins, 28 Seattle Seahawks, 27 New York Jets, 26 Jacksonville Jaguars, 25th Los Angeles Rams, 24th Atlanta Falcons, 23rd Minnesota Vikings, 22nd Chicago Bears, 21 Arizona Cardinals, 20th New York Giants, 19th the Houston Texans, 18th the Buffalo Bills, 17th the Carolina Panthers, 16th the Detroit Lions, 15th the Tennessee Titans, 14th the Denver Broncos, 13th the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 12th the Kansas City Chiefs, 11th the Oakland Raiders, 10th the Philadelphia Eagles, the 9th the Pittsburgh Steelers, 8th San Francisco 49ers, 7th New England Patriots, 6th Cleveland Browns, and I will have something to say on that, 5th Baltimore Ravens, 4th Green Bay Packers, 3rd Dallas Cowboys, New Orleans Saints 2nd, and 1st Indianapolis Colts. Now, everybody knows why Colts are at the top, because Quentin Nelson, the best guard in football, or one of the best guards in football, is the left guard on their own line. My first question. Now, I don't have a problem necessarily with the Giants being the 20th O-line. They lost Mike Remmers, obviously. That wasn't too bad of a loss in free agency. They weren't going to sign him back anyway. But they were ranked, I believe, 18th, 17th, or 19th last year in the PFF rankings. Now... Let's talk about number six, the Cleveland Browns. Here is their offensive line, or at least their projected offensive line. At left or right tackle, you probably have Jedrick Wills. At left or right tackle, you probably have Jack Conklin. Conklin's probably going to play left tackle. Wills will probably play right, but my guess, it could be wrong. How are they better than the Pittsburgh Steelers? How are they better than the Philadelphia Eagles? How are they better than the New England Patriots. Let's look at their offensive lines. Take a look at the Steelers' offensive line. Left tackle, Alejandro Villanueva. Left guard as of right now, Stefan Wesignuski. Center, Marquise Pouncey, who made the Pro Bowl last year, but by PFF's rankings didn't do that good. Right guard, David DeCastro. Right tackle, Matt Filer, who did above average, according to PFF last year. How will you rank them over this offensive line? James Conner, successful running game. Even when you had two nobodies at quarterback, the O-line still kept them protected. Even when Miles Garrett decided to hit Mason Rudolph in the helmet, they still kept them protected even though Marquise Pouncey was kicking the head of Miles Garrett and the NFL disciplined him for that, which I didn't agree with because he was defending his quarterback and Miles Garrett had a helmet on. But Miles Garrett swung a helmet at 
Mason Rudolph and hit him in the head. And Mason Rudolph had no helmet on because he was hit with his own helmet. My opinion, Larry Ogunjobi, the defensive tackle, should have been suspended for more games because he decided to push Rudolph or whoever on the ground afterwards and then the offensive line say, hey, you don't do that to our guy. And obviously the fight broke out towards the end of the game and everything happened. But let's go back to the Steelers' offensive line. They still have good protection for whatever quarterback's behind there. And Big Ben is aging. And he's still protected. He still makes that offense look good despite what their play calling situation is. James Conner still runs the football. They put a running back in there. They still run the football successfully. I mean, you could say, oh, Nick Chubb, oh, he had a thousand yard season last year. But... Look at the players. Again, when I was going back to the position battles for every opponent we face, I didn't factor rookies in that much. But they're going to put Jedrick Wills in there, and they say, oh, they're the sex best old line. I don't believe that. They got a brand new left tackle and a brand new right tackle. I don't think they're the sex best old line. We'll see what happens. And Bill Callahan is their coach. Great coach, but again, the Steelers have had that pair of offensive linemen, minus Filer and Wisniewski, because it used to be Marcus Gilbert and Ramon Foster who retired this offseason. It used to be them, but you still have three of those five pieces there, and they still work together fine. And I don't know why you're placing them above the Browns. Now let's go to the New England Patriots. David Andrews was out last year. Ted Carr is filled in good at center. And here's their offensive line, what it looks like for the season. You have Isaiah Wynn, the 2018 first-round pick at left tackle, the left guard Joe Tooney, the center David Andrews coming off of a year lost because he had a blood clot issue. The right guard is Shaq Mason, the right tackle is Marcus Cannon. Now, I know their offense wasn't that great last year as it was years before because the defense carried them. Everyone knows that with the lack of targets they had. But with that core group... And even with David Andrews coming back, one of the most underrated centers in football, and if you do rate him, he's one of the best in football, what's the issue there? What's the issue with a returning old line? And if anything, Isaiah Wynn will probably play better than Nate Solder will for the Giants. So I don't understand that mentality. Another offensive line that's been together for years. Now, minus Jedrick Wills, when you look at the Browns' offensive line, their PFF grades... Wyatt Teller, who's their starting right guard, or projected to be, has a 56.7 overall grade for PFF. Now, he only played 557 snaps. But again, like, how is Wyatt Teller better than Shaq Mason? Can we get an explanation video from PFF on this whole thing? Now let's go to the Eagles offensive line. I hate the Eagles with a certain passion. Because I lived with Eagles fans for so many years, and I heard the blabber after the Super Bowl. But, realistically, they have one of the better offensive lines in football. And better than the Browns, in my opinion. Because, even though Andre Dillard had a bad year at tackle last year, I think he's going to get better at left tackle. Now, that's just thought. And they're thinking, Jedrick Wills is probably going to play better, because apparently they're 6th, and the Eagles are 10th. But, Jason Kelsey... Right now is the starting center, and he's one of the best starting centers in football if he isn't the best. If you don't categorize him as the best. Brandon Brooks, yeah, I know they have him on IR this season because of a torn ACL. 
Right tackle Lane Johnson just got a huge extension. One of the best right tackles in football. So, two key offensive linemen there. And Dillard, who probably will grow into a good offensive lineman, even though Jason Peters isn't there. Isaac Semaiulo, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, he's an immediate starter left guard. So that's going to be interesting to see, but I think he's decent enough. I think he's better than Teller. And right guard, it's still unsolved. Apparently they were trying to pry a trade for Joe Tooney, which is going to be interesting, and if they'll try it. They also drafted Jack Driscoll, who could be the immediate starter right guard for Brooks, possibly, or Matt Pryor might fill in as the backup guard. So it's going to be interesting, but I think with the coaching staff they have now, and Doug Peterson being the best coach in the NFC East right now, now, I get McCarthy, oh, he won a Super Bowl, but right now, proven, he's the best coach in the NFC East, as much as I hate to admit it. And his coaching staff, my opinion, will get this Eagles offensive line back to shape and form, even though they lost Jason Peters, and even though they lost Brandon Brooks. So, I don't get the mentality of how the Browns' offensive line is still better. Yes, mine is based off thought with the Eagles, but theirs is based off thought too. And, of course, their own analytics that they make support their own narrative. But let's also talk about something else. Now, some I agree with. In this case, some I don't. The Raiders are behind the Cleveland Browns in those offensive line rankings. They're ranked 11th. But let's do a PFF grade comparison of the tackles, the guards, and the centers. So, the right tackles for right now are Trent Brown and Jack Conklin. Conklin could be made comparison to the left tackle, too, because he might play left tackle if Wills doesn't play left tackle. So, for Brown, he has a 69.1 overall grade from last year. That's 2019. Conklin, doing better than him with a 77.9 overall grade. Let's move to the left guard position. Richie Incognito versus Joel Batonio. Now, as... People say that Richie Incognito is a dirty player and he's bad off the field issues. He's a good player on the field when he's not playing dirty. So he has a 74 overall grade. Joel Batonio has a 74.2 overall grade. Can't see ranks on here. They removed that from the free preview. From the center position, Rodney Hudson, 71. J.C. Treader, 72. At the right guard position... Wyatt Teller, 56.7, and Gabe Jackson, 61.8. For the right tackle spot, which could be made a comparison to Jack Conklin or the left tackle spot, however you want to compare it, Colton Miller has a 64.9 grade. Of course, he plays the left tackle position, and Jedrick Wills does not have a justified grade because he was in college last year. So that debate and argument could be made by Raider fans if they want to say that PFF's argument is bogus. But with the rest of the list and the rest of the problems I pointed out with the Browns offensive line, very overrated. I know they got Jedrick Wills in the draft. I know they got Jack Conklin now. But right guard, will it work with the center and the right tackle? We'll see. And Jedrick Wills' development. He's not going to be a star tackle in one year. He's not Quentin Nelson. So, again, we'll see what happens. But... I just don't like that they ranked them over the Steelers, the Patriots, and the Eagles. That's my opinion. And that is the end of Bleeding Big Blue Podcast, episode 27. 27 episodes already. Also, before we depart, 
I'm announcing that most likely on opening night of baseball when the Yankees and the Nats play, I will be live streaming so you can see the baseball side of me for the ones that don't know me personally. Obviously, I'm a Yankee fan and I mentioned that earlier, but you get to see the baseball side of me and my reactions to the game. So that's going to be interesting. That's also a baseball side of me on a football podcast, football podcast channel, but it's something different. And it's definitely something different, and I'm excited for baseball season to officially be back. It's the same as football. Thank you guys for supporting us on all the podcast platforms. Follow our social media pages at Bleeding Big Blue Podcast, Instagram, and Twitter. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Currently 34 subscribers, over 1,000 total views. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you on Thursday with the interview with former Giants linebacker Curtis Grant.